again, I want to thank Pastor Chase for the opportunity to bring the message today. And my message is titled Scorched Earth. So before I get into that, I'm going to pray and then we will go from there. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather in your house this morning and to be with our family. Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit soften our hearts and make sure that we are our ears are open to everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so before I dive into the text, um, I want to see a show of hands. How many of you have heard the term scorched earth before? And if you're online watching and you've heard it, you can drop a yes in the chat. So how many of you have heard the term scorched earth? Okay, some of you, some of you. All right, that's good. Now, I had heard the term, but I was not necessarily familiar with the whole context behind it. So I thought I would help get all of us up to speed and on the same page. So I, as I was looking it up, Oxford Reference, um, their definition of scorched earth is a military strategy of burning or destroying crops or other resources that might be used to an invading enemy force. And I thought, okay. Well, then I love Merriam-Webster. I love knowing what words mean. So I looked it up in uh, the dictionary, and it says, relating to or being a military policy involving deliberate and usually widespread destruction of property and resources, such as housing or factories, so that the invading enemy cannot use them. Also, directed toward victory or supremacy at all costs, ruthless. Okay? So I just want you to tuck that away um, as we move along in the message today. So basically, if this, let's say this is, this is our country, we have invaders coming, we're going to destroy everything that is of value so that they can't use it to continue to advance, okay? All right, so I want to encourage you to open your Bibles, whether it's digital or you have the paper version, to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 1. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. So I'm going to stop right there for a second because I just want to point out a couple things about Job. So the first thing that is mentioned in Scripture is Job's character. That's the very first thing that's talked about. He was a man of integrity. He loved God. He stayed away from evil. The next thing that's talked about is that he's a family man. A lot of kids. I don't know about you, but I'm not having no 10 kids. But, you know... For some people, they love big families, and so go you for helping to populate the earth. I'm going to leave you to that, all right? And then the last thing that's mentioned is his status in society. Now, I want to point this out for a simple fact that how often do we start with the status of a person versus their character? 
we're more likely to say, oh yeah, this guy owns such and such, or they're a doctor at this place, or she owns this business, it's multi-million, blah, 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 they have a real nice family, oh, I, and I know them from church. I mean, that's kind of how we do. So God's economy, he's more concerned about character than our status in society and those types of things. All right. So next, we are going to jump down to verse 6. So one day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. So I'm going to stop right there for a second, because I am still trying to figure out how he got in there. Like, was somebody not paying attention, like, sleeping on the job? Like, I don't, how in the world was he getting an audience with God? I, anyway, that's not, that's an aside. That's a bonus that you get from me today. So, where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right. You may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. The enemy thinks he knows the way in to get us separated from God. Now, I'm not going to say he's necessarily wrong in how to do that, but that means we've got to be paying a little bit of attention about what we're doing. So the next day, well, I don't know about the next day, but there was a day that came that he started getting news reports. First person comes and said, your, um, this piece of, these parts of your livestock stolen. The next person comes, this bit of your livestock burned up. The next person comes, this set of livestock is stolen. In the process of all of that, he has servants that they're all getting killed except for the one person that happened to make it out of the calamity to get there to tell him about what was going on. The last message that he gets is that there was all of your children at your oldest son's house, they were having their feast and the wind hit all four sides of the house at once, crashed the whole thing down, everybody's gone. I mean, that's just hit after hit after hit after hit. Loss, gone, everything. So when we jump down to verse 20, this is Job's response. He stood up and tore his robe in grief Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Now, I don't know about you, but when I lose something, I can't say that I go from, oh, I'm really sad that this happened to you. Okay, praise God. It's not that quick. Maybe for some of you it is 
quick, and that's good. I'm just telling you what it is for me. It's not that quick. But here's Job recognizing his grief and loss. He's not pretending it's not happening. And I think sometimes as Christ followers, we think, I need to pretend the loss isn't happening. No. No. God doesn't say, pretend it doesn't happen. Pretend you're not hurt. Pretend it doesn't suck. Sorry, kids. Doesn't say that. Job had a deep faith that allowed him to trust God, even when it didn't make sense. Trust in God's plan, even when things weren't going well. And that was just the first round. So we jump over to Job chapter 2. So again, angels come, Satan's with them again. And in verse 3, God asks the same question. Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity, even though you urged me to harm him without cause. Satan replied to the Lord, skin for skin. A man will give up everything to save his life, but reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Satan thought, I got it this time. I got it. I got it. There's no way Job is going to continue to worship you once I take the health away. It's, it's a wrap. It's done. Well, Job's health is taken, and Job's response again is, why shouldn't I accept the bad along with the good from the hand of the Father? Amen. Why should I be exempt from things because I love God. I want to feel like I can be exempt because I love Jesus. I'm following scripture. I'm living my life in a way that I think he was pleasing to him. And yet, clearly, that's not a thing. We are not exempt from bad things happening. Amen. And when things aren't great, what we need to remember is that God still loves us, even if he's not intervening. He's still in control of what's happening. So now you might be thinking, all right, when is the scorched earth thing happening? Like, I mean, you mentioned it, but I'm just kind of wondering when that's going to come in. Well, as I jokingly said, you know, we've had, you might know about a pandemic that we had started in 2020. But there are those of us in this room and those of us online who've experienced loss. Some of us lost loved ones. Some of us lost marriages. Some of us lost jobs. Some of us lost health. Some of us lost partnerships, friendships, jobs. Others of us thought, well, I thought I was going to be going on vacation or graduation of my niece, nephew, son, daughter, myself was going to happen, and it didn't. Yeah. 
Some of us lost dreams. We thought, man, this is how this is going to roll. Momentum's going. And then gone. As I was preparing for this message, I was thinking maybe I'm stretching things a bit, trying to connect this concept of scorched earth with the text. But last Sunday, during my quiet time, God asked me this question. When it comes to loss, what are you valuing more? Me or the things you lost? That hurt. Um, I'm just saying. <laughs> I realized in that moment I had spent so much time dwelling on the things that didn't happen, that didn't work out. The ways that I felt like God didn't come through. For him to say to me, okay, well, is that more important to you than me? Is that more important to you than worshiping me and not allowing the enemy a foothold into your mindset that that is where you're focusing? You're giving him resources. You're giving him resources. So much of what happens with the enemy is up here. And we're just going to give it away. Like it's not anything. Some of us are so steeped in grief right now that we don't realize that that's what we've done. It happens so gradually. It's not that we intended to be there. But that's where we're at. If we think about it, if we're really honest, that's where we are. And some of us may be questioning, is it worth it? I've had so much loss. Is it worth it to keep following God? Because it doesn't feel like it. I see plenty of other people who seem to have everything's going well. They're not following Jesus. So help me see where the value is. 1 Peter 5.8 says that we need to be sober-minded and alert. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We can be so caught up in what's not happening, not thinking about God is good all the time. He's not unaware of our circumstances and what's going on and what's hurting us. It feels like he doesn't care. But that's not true. The enemy wants to keep us thinking that, though. Keep that in our mind. I want us to take a look at Ephesians 6. Because remember I said that scorched earth is a military strategy. So let's be clear that as Christians, we are fighting. 
may not always feel like it. You know, we're not in some of those countries where they are constantly having to have church underground and everything's got to be secret. They're, we're not being persecuted. We like to think in the United States we're being persecuted because we don't have prayer in school and we don't have this and blah, blah, blah. Okay, no. All right? I'm just, no. That is not, no. No. Okay? None of us are dying because of our faith. I'm just going to say, anyway, this might be my last time preaching here. I don't know. <laughs> um, so we're in a battle. So Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. What's the point of putting on armor if we're not fighting? You got to have armor on. Right, exactly. I hear you. Thank you. We got to have our armor on, which means we've got to be thinking. We've got to be in the word. We've got to be in prayer on the regular. You know, like Sunday, this is great. But if this is the only time we're taking in, yikes. So in our fight, we aren't necessarily burning crops or houses or factories. We've got other resources. We've got a mindset that we might need to scorch out so that there isn't something for the enemy to use. So I'm just, I'm just saying, we've got to burn some things out. Some of us may be in a place where we're like, you know what, I'm rejoicing, I'm good, life is fantastic, but I guarantee there's going to be a time coming when it's not good. Okay? So this is the, this is the I got this in my toolkit message for you. For some of us, we are dealing with a lot of loss right now. And so this message means something very different for you. Okay? So I want us to think about something for a moment. It's interesting the songs that we sang this morning because they really set up yes, the message beautifully. Um, and really it's what the Holy Spirit put on my heart to speak with all of you. And I knew he would orchestrate the music. I didn't even look to see what the songs were that we were singing at all. I thought, I'm just, I know it's going to be good. And if you think about, great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs that we pour out our praise. When we're worshiping, even if our voice is shaky and we don't feel like it, it's hard for us to then also focus on all the things I lost at the same time. It, they can't be in the same spot at the same time. So I want to give us an opportunity to scorch some earth this morning. Some of you may want to be right at your seat. You might want to just 
write some things down on your phone or on a piece of paper or whatever. If you're online, I encourage you to have some paper and something to write with and think about what is it that I'm spending so much time focused on that I lost that I am not thinking about God as being more valuable than that. For some, you may feel like I want to write something out as my symbolic way of scorching earth. And so over here at the piano, we have some dissolvable paper and pens, and um, there'll be opportunity for you to come up and do something with that. We'll also have our prayer partners, and so if you feel like I really need to pray with somebody, I need someone who's gonna come with me before the Father, uh, and pray about what I'm struggling with, then our prayer partners are also going to be available. We're also coming into our time of communion, and Pastor Chase is going to prepare us for that. But I'm going to pray to end this time as we go into our reflect and respond time, where I want us to answer the question, what do I value more God or the things that I lost. So let me pray. Father, in this moment, help us to really listen to your voice. You've probably brought to mind things for some of us that we've lost and maybe have spent more time looking at than looking at you and what you can do in our lives. Father, I just pray that as we come to this time that we aren't afraid to scorch some earth this morning so that we can leave this place knowing that we've got our armor on, that we're ready to fight, and knowing that in worshiping you, we're saying you're the priority, God. You're my number one. You're my everything. And even if things aren't going the way I thought, I trust you. I trust your plan for my life. In Jesus' name, amen.